Hello and welcome to episode 163 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybok, and joining me this evening are my fantastic co-hosts, Vrabin and Spirit. How are you doing this evening, Vrabin? Doing pretty well. Glad to be here, as always. Yeah, you're on a streak now. This is like this four? Is three. Three, this four? Is three. Yeah. I think it's three. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Getting back in the swing of things. And joining us from now a new time zone, or rather the same time zone, but wonkety hours, is Spirit. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Yeah, it's a, time zones are exciting. Uh, I know I've talked about it before, but it's Did they have like get... a daylight saving or something that I don't know about in New Zealand? Yeah, yeah, we d- we did have daylight savings. So now we're uh, it's a four hour difference. It, that's not it's more than four hours because we're a day ahead, but we're four hours behind uh, Pacific. I know time how that right works. Now. But then we're gonna set our clocks the opposite direction in November. Yeah, and then it's gonna get even closer, like three hours. It's yep. weird. Anyway. <laughs> It super blows Grybox's mind. It's my favorite thing to tell him whenever daylight savings happens. Yeah, it. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> but aside from that scattered intro, I feel like that's a portend for the show because we have a lot of random stuff to talk about this week. Uh, almost all of which came out within the last couple of days at the TwitchCon, rather than the normal info drip we get during the week. So to some extent, we're not as prepared as normal. Um, and segueing a little bit, I didn't watch any of TwitchCon, but I'm really glad that Twitch is said that they're going to upgrade it and they're going to be using HTML5 instead of Flash because I don't even install Flash on my computers because I hate it so much. So I can actually like maybe watch some Twitch people. Yeah, soon. I'm excited that they're changing that too because that's good. Um, so yeah, you guys want to just talk about the Druid first? I feel like that's kind of the biggest thing because of the fact that we've known about the Druid for the longest and we haven't gotten to hear about it until the very last. So who wasn't surprised that it's like this ultra healer class? I didn't see a single person on any of the forums or anything I read call it correctly beforehand. I'll put it that way. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, it's very different. Um, it. I mean, yeah, it, I it's very much like the Ventari <clears throat> reveal for the Revenant, which was that like these are fundamentally different ways of playing than currently exist in the game, and so it's really hard to quite get a judge on <clears throat> on whether they will be needed or useful or like optional or anything like that. I don't know. Let's well, we can get into I those kinds of discussion. Well for, I hope it bodes well for. I hope it bodes. I hope that it's good for, uh, I'm trying to say something here, raids. I hope that this says something good for raids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I also wonder why why the why the ranger is the, what looks to be the primary healer. I mean, did they, I know they don't like, and they've always been away from the Holy Trinity, and they didn't want that, but so they think that if a ranger becomes a healer, it's not really the Holy Trinity, Trinity because rangers aren't healers, guys, but this one is? I, mean, well, I don't know. that's not, they... They said, basically, I think, and I think they brought this up recently because people keep going, oh, well, you said the MMO manifesto, because they wrote a thing three years ago and they're never allowed to forget it, apparently. Uh, that, that, well, they clarified recently that they don't, it's not that they don't want to have, like, dedicated roles, but that they want each profession to be flexible within those dedicated roles so that you can't, like, you're not always saying looking for monk. You know, you could be looking for druid or for Ventari Revenant or, 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 or. Um, so you have a lot of options, but that doesn't preclude designated roles. 
Does that make Which, sense? Yeah, so that makes me think that is this a sign of the future when we get more specializations via new weapons for the existing classes? Um, with that, at one point, you know, maybe five years, ten years down the road, I don't know if Guild Wars 2 will be around that long, are we going to see every class be able to fill any role? And if it works, if that's what's happening, and if it works the way that it is working now, I think it'll be interesting because then you'll have different play flavors, but be able to do anything. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it, it, yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of interesting little sub points on that on this fact because, I mean, so guardians can put out a lot of damage mitigation in the form of protection and aegis and some blinding and then uh, regeneration and those types of things. Ventari clearly has its own healing, and so does this. Um, there still isn't really a hard tanking role like in many other MMOs and I feel that there's sort of an interesting little sub-debate that goes on between different groups of people when we talk about things like the Zerker meta in air quotes you know like some some people view some people view our current meta of the Zerker meta as still having damage support and control because of the idea that things like protection is a form of support and weakness is a form of control um and so like to them that's that's fulfilling that idea of a soft trinity uh whereas like for me personally i feel like that's really more like those are kind of just tacked on add-ons that you get almost for free because you're still your primary goal is dealing damage and you know like it like you do damage and then you have some skills that just happen to also apply these effects and but like your main thing is that you're just doing damage doing damage and with both the ventari and the druid it feels like this is their first real stab at a full support build like not a build that just runs damage with a few tack on supporty things but a build that genuinely is completely dedicated to support which makes me really interested if they're ever going to go that direction on the control side because like the closest that we have to that is like a knockdown warrior or a in terms of like soft cc you can do a lot of soft cc with a condition necromancer but neither of those has been particularly needed or useful in the open world um or pve in general or dungeons or well yeah i mean yeah just really any pve taking control as a build focus has never been good and really taking support as a build focus has never been good either you sort of just take it as an incidental extra utility skill but most of the weapons that focus heavily on support or control are not used in pve because you should just use some utility skills for that uh so like all of those things together all of those questions all of those like concepts are really interesting to me i don't i don't know if i'm gonna like where it's going but i'm interested to see where it's going that you bring up a good point with not knowing if you're gonna like where it's going because it seems like a lot of people, and I've read a few blogs. I can't remember the names off the top of my head. You know, like where the game's at, and they don't like that it's gonna get harder or you're gonna have to fill these roles. They like this theme park. I don't know if that's the right word. You know, just easygoing, super casual. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say. I like the idea of you know, I mean, going back, like I said, the the thing with the Zerker meta is that. There's all these armor sets that effectively in the current PvE content only exist for players that aren't as skilled rather than actually being a component of a build. Like, you don't take a healing power stat set, period, because... Well, hold on. I wouldn't say not as skilled because 
if everyone had a perfect connection, I think everyone could run Zerker. If there was no lag and your computer ran it smoothly, it's not that hard to run Zerker. And I think it's the biggest problem. That's my biggest problem with Zerker is not everyone can run it because of their internet connection. But I mean, let's be honest here. There's a lot of people that can't, wouldn't be able to run it because they're not very good at the game. And I don't mean that as an insult. I was more that I was not thinking in terms of lag. Definitely, if you have if you have connection issues, like that's a whole different thing. But there are a lot of very casual players in this game that are not good enough to handle having low hit points, which is which is fine. But it frustrates me that. That is kind of like the effective point, like place of a lot of those armors is like you take it for funsies or like because you, you know, you aren't good enough. Not not including connection issues because that's definitely yeah. a legitimate problem. too. And that's all for the open world. It completely changes once you get into world v world. But I don't think you were addressing that. It's, it's, it's a big thing. Right. Well, because in PvP, those stat sets are relevant. Like there are mm-hmm. not like people don't run full Zerker in PvP. And the reason for that is because players are smart and players <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like they, they apply consistent yeah, no, pressure. Yeah, no, and, it makes sense. You know, that's I in an ideal world to me, there would be there would be uses for a lot of these sets in harder content in PvE because they made enemies smarter and harder. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't use Zerker, but what it might mean is that you might have to make a choice that you don't ever almost ever have to currently make, which is that maybe you have to just stop dealing damage for a while because you need to, like, back off. That's basically never presented as an option that you have to do in PvE content right now for Zerkers, so you get all of the rewards from doing maximum damage and none of the penalties because you never have to stop dealing damage. Um, yeah, and it makes it kind of sad that you have all this basically tool chest with all these different stats but zerker is the only one that really means something yeah and like occasionally celestial or knights especially in like really high level fractals yeah and sometimes um i what it's not just zerker what's the other one the assassin sometimes you mix that but it's still the same power build um it'll be yeah if, if that changes and people don't want to play the game anymore because it's not that that'd be interesting. I mean, because there's so many people doing what they're doing and they're enjoying it, and if it turns, how is that going to affect the player base? Spirit, do you have any thoughts on this? You've been kind of, I've been I've been talking a lot for the last five minutes. <laughs> uh, well, I, I mean, I agree that I'm, I'm disappointed that there's not more... I wouldn't say that there's no place, but that there's not more niches for those different gear types to fill. Um, but I actually have more to say about healing in Guild Wars 2 itself, if you're ready to move on from that. Well, I just want to say one more thing about that. I would like to see the meta or whatever go where people still can use their Zerker sets. It's, you know, an option. It's not going to change the market where all of a sudden all the Zerker stuff isn't any good for raids. But I'd like to also see, you know, maybe um, condition build sets or healing sets of armor also um, have a place where, you know, it balanced the market even a little bit. So all of a sudden, it's equal amount of money to craft a Zerker set versus, you know, don't make it go away. That way all the people who already invested all that with their ascended Zerker armor can still use that in a role. That's what I mm. think should happen. Yeah, oh, I don't... Well, I, I was just gonna say, I don't want Zerker to go away. I just want it to not be the only option you, like, theoretically should, in air quotes, take. Anyway, go ahead, Spirit. Right. Uh, one thing, conditions are getting pretty close to that point. Um, sinister yes, gear cool. is is getting there. Um, some burning builds. builds are outstripping normal ones. Uh, burning, I think, needs a little bit of looking at because it's real darn strong. Uh, but hopefully, because we know we're getting a balance patch in Tuesday with some lovely stuff, and maybe that'll be a little bit toned down. 
Um, but in any way, uh, regardless of what's going on with Berserker and Condi builds, um, healing power in general has always been frowned upon, and I'm worried that it will continue to be, despite um, having dedicated healing effects, because I don't know how the healing power scales on Druid or Ventari Revenant off the top of my head, or on anything off the top of my head, but everything I've ever read about it says it's awful. And part of that is because, you know, devs have said, well, if you have too much healing on yourself, um, you get these really tanky characters, and they're not maybe... Because, I mean, think about it this way. Like, if you're really good at healing, you don't want that character to be a tank also, because then they're too good at too many things. So if you're specializing all the way into healing, if you want to have these really high heals, then you have to have... Ideally, want to give a trade-off, right, of being kind of squishy. Well, you also um, won't be doing very much damage, which is a right, significant too. trade-off in lower player count situations. Yeah, that's a good point as well. Um, so that's something they have to be aware of. And with healing power being primarily on, there's no, there's like no Zerk healing power, right? There's only um, tanky healing sets, right? I can't think of a single set that has. Oh, maybe. Is Zealot's healing power and power and precision? I don't know. I there is there so. is one set that I've forgotten about. I think there is one that's strange. But um, I would say the closest to that is Celestial, which is not quite true, but it kind of like it provides the most healing power to a not like direct healing power stat focus while still providing you. I mean, it provides you some of everything. It's like kind I'm of the definition what of Zealot's it. Is because I'm totally curious. Oh yeah, no, it is. It is healing power, healing primary power and precision, uh, which could be interesting. That was from the. Actually, I really hope that comes back with the packed supply lines because that was from all the Scarlet stuff in the first year, and I don't know how many people still have those available to them. That sounds like something a Necro could put to good use. That that armor, that stat set. Yeah, for, uh, for like a lifesteal build. I would yeah. almost be worried about um, if they ever put out a condition damage and healing. Well, I guess, but Necro doesn't really do that much actual heal. Yeah. Anyway, regardless, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I even remember myself talking about that about because I didn't want the hardcore Holy Trinity because it does make things really difficult to balance in certain areas, obviously. Um, but that, like, that type of thing that you're talking about is something that you have to keep in mind. Like, if you are able to keep everything alive, like what. Yeah, it it then it then it sort of requires that there is content that is challenging to you, which then makes it kind of pointless to be a kind of healer, you know, like a not mm -hmm. full healer, because the the content is designed around having to balance around a full healer. Um, but yeah, the other thing is just I've found in general, um, I bearing in mind that I'm not a particularly a healer archetype. I did level one to max level in Terra. Uh, which is a game with our level Trinity, and I played some of the endgame dungeons on it. I wasn't particularly amazing, and I also wasn't playing a particularly optimal build, but I played the one I like. Um, my name was Spirit Face the Puncher, and I <laughs> punched people and healed them. But that's uh, beside the point. I was just really proud of that character. Um, the Berserk the, Healer. One of the main differences between Terra and Guild Wars 2, or a lot of other games, is they have targeted heals, and Guild Wars 2 does not. Yes, that is Which also can be a very good point. Incredibly yeah. frustrating trying to play a support build, and you put down your water field, and your dumb frontliner, uh, not naming any names, will walk right out of it, and you're going, "I'm trying to heal you," and they're going, Let "Why am I dying?" <laughs> yeah, like, it's just, 
it's something and that is one like we are going to have to learn to play with support builds right like we can't pick it up and put it in our current meta and go this is not working uh because you're probably not using it ideally right like people are running out of it and uh you might not be geared right for it and so there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve which is absolutely fine because you know we didn't have these full healing specs before well and that's a significant Uh, difference between the ventari slash druid and um the guardian which is like the closest we have to a healing class is that the guardian doesn't really do targeted healing or targeted support mm -hmm. like they do area-wide shouts is the primary way that they do that or they place down obvious things that you hide behind like the reflection walls yep um but you know that's yeah that's going to be a huge adjustment yeah that being said i think if we do need healing and we need to figure out how to play that support character in raids i keep going back to raids i think worldview worlders are going to pick up on the best because worldview world elementalists and stuff do a good job and they've done that they've had to heal their um uh, squad Mm -hmm. or whatever so That's they've true. got some practice on that. Yeah. Um, let's actually talk back about where we started, even though we went off topic almost immediately. Um, the druid. <laughs> like, the actual skills of the yeah. druid. Because um, we're we're talking so much about healing, but we haven't even really talked about what it does. Um, it's, I mean, I don't, think, I don't think any of us really wants to go through every single skill that they have, but I keep, as I keep saying with a lot of Heart of Thorns stuff, they have introduced a whole lot of new tech for this this specialization as well, uh, which I always, again, I always find really interesting when they introduce these new kinds of mechanics because it gives them more flexibility to design similar things in the future. Um, in particular, I was really impressed by the concept of that wall that converts incoming projectiles into healing. Yes! I'm really excited about it. I really want to take um, a group through and just put him, put that uh, under a Lupicus <laughs> storm of death and just look at my combat log. Yeah. And see how much crazy healing I can get out of that. It won't be useful because, I mean, our, our health will be capped, but I just want to see what happens. Yeah. I mean, considering how good projectile reflection is. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the scaling on that as a form of as as a different form of healing because I it it made me think of this because we were talking about you know uh, guardian versus druid healing and I was just saying the you know the the one positional effect that people really pay attention to with guardians is their wall of reflection and that you stand behind it so that enemies hurt themselves so I think that people people are pretty used to the idea of standing behind a summoned wall. Um, mm-hmm. So I think people are going to take to that pretty well. But <sighs> do you think this will uh, be inching in on the uh, the reflect you know space that Mesmer's guardians seem to you know have a monopoly on? I don't think so. I think that they are both very useful in very different ways. Like reflecting is obviously really strong because it's both damage mitigation and it's a whole hell of a lot of damage because just of the sheer fact that. Um, like, it's reflecting the damage that PvE mobs do, which is typically much higher than players. Uh, but, by that token, to, and and I don't know if we know any scaling, I don't believe they showed any, but depending on the scaling of that, like, if it just takes that amount of damage they would have dealt to you and turn it into a heal, that's going to be a huge amount of healing, in, especially in high-level PvE content. Um, I don't know if they're going to tone that down or anything, but that's pretty crazy. Yeah, I would imagine it wouldn't be. I would imagine it wouldn't be full scaling because I don't just healing. 
in general is just I don't think scales very well, so I wouldn't expect it to be the full thing. But um, I, oh, I don't know, because because it depends on an enemy like shooting projectiles into you through this yeah. field. I, I mean... would imagine, I would imagine it works like the warrior heal, the defiant stance. But I don't know how that one works. I don't know the the menu show of how that one works. Hmm. Uh. Yeah, I'm kind of blanking on that one too. Is that is that just however much damage? No, I I think that one is however much damage they deal to you, you heal. Well then, it's it, but the thing with that is it's really short duration, so yeah. it's like it's like a couple seconds, and so if you don't time it right, then you just get murdered instantly. Um, but you know this isn't the yeah I I don't know. Um, it's a very I keep saying interesting, but it's very interesting to me. I'm 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 really excited by a lot of the concepts that they're executing here. Um, yeah, I want to see if the sublime conversion, that energy barrier that causes projectiles to heal, if it will suffer from the same weird things that we get with reflex. Will there be some things that you know, like some projectiles that we can't bounce back? Is that not going to work? Is it not going to heal? Is it going to hurt? If that's the case, that'll just be weird and annoying, like it is with reflex already. Mm-hmm. I think. I feel strongly anyway, and I hope Arena Net uh, backs me up on this. But I think that after a certain point, like after most of the base game stuff and maybe a little bit of the living story stuff, um, they learned what is okay to have as a projectile and what is not okay to have as a projectile. And since that point, if it walks like a projectile and talks like a projectile is probably a projectile. I mean, if, if it looks like a projectile, right, it can probably be reflected. And I haven't encountered anything um, in, to the best of my knowledge, in Living Story Season 2 or in any of the Heart of Thorns beta pro- tests that looked like a projectile and couldn't be reflected. Um, so I hope they they carry that out through everything. I, I think they will. I think they've learned a lot about the game. Yeah. Um, and that we won't have to worry about that. But I mean, it is a definite concern because we've if, seen it before. And if they want to make exceptions, I would hope that they would do something like have a text on the mob that says, like, projectiles cannot be reflected. It's not like they don't yeah. include that kind of game text for, like, weird situations. So, you know, that I would be more okay with things that can't be reflected or, you know, in this case, uh, like, turned into heels. If, if the mob specifically was designed around that idea and said, you know, like, if it said that, it's those gotcha projectiles that aren't really projectiles. Those are kind of bothersome. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't even mind seeing projectiles that, like, destroyed barriers or took down player effects. Oh, yeah. Be interesting. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, do you guys have any thoughts, either direction on, on glyphs, just the standalone? We'll talk about their secondary effects later. Like, the... The immediate thought is that they have interesting effects, but I think uh, the range on them was rather disappointing, and that's what that's a big worry for me um, with the druid is is the range on skills. I read somewhere that the pull glyph only has a range of three hundred. So obviously, you know, there's a reason stacking is such a big thing, right? It's incredibly effective for a number of reasons. You have easy access to down people, your buffs are going to apply to everyone, um, all your your blast finishers hit everyone in the party. But if you're designing around these really tiny ranges, 240, 300, maybe even 400, everyone has to be, like, you need to get everyone close together to get the most benefit from those skills. And you're not giving, like, you're not allowing people to spread out by limiting what you can do with those skills. 
or or I mean, I guess because then the player has to really make a choice of like how to position themselves. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a, yeah, there's some definite balancing trade-offs there. But a pull at a 300 range, are you not already in melee? Well, I mean, I think yeah, it, it's going to depend on the content once again, which we don't have a real answer for. But there is a potential that stacking will be too dangerous or that you'll need to split up to prevent the enemies from effectively stacking too many effects on you at once in which case uh this close range might actually be interesting because it's putting you in harm's way you were talking about how to balance a very strong healing presence well if you have to be very close in content that doesn't want you to be very close that in itself is somewhat of a balancing factor Um, that's true you know, uh, yeah, it's because there's 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 a threshold with area area of effect abilities where you know if if one AOE deals a fifth of your life in damage, that's fine. And if there's five of you that are each getting hit by like one each, then you each get t- taken down a fifth. But if you're all stacked on each other and five of those effects hit you, then all five of you will take a hundred percent of all of your lives because you've stacked, you know, five of that effect and it's hit all five of you. So mm. if they make the threshold such that stacking will get you killed because the enemies have enough area pressure and damage that that stacking will get you all killed, then having these short range effects might make it a very active playstyle where you want to be separate but then the druid goes in and says oh i can help you like it's going to be risky but i can go help one of you and i can't help all of you because we would have died anyway if if we were all stacked up so i don't know i mean that's just food for thought it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that the content will be designed that way but it could be it is possible that said getting back to glyphs i thought it was kind of cool that with your celestial form you switch and they do different things. I think that has a lot of potential for high level play and difficult play, but rewarding if you can pull it off. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's talk about that celestial form. So clearly, this is an analog to the Death Shroud slash Reaper Shroud. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't function identically, but it functions in a very similar manner. You get your you get skills that are unique to that form, so they don't they don't. Um, they are the same no matter what weapon you have equipped, is what I should say. Um, and it's a it's a bar that you have to charge up. Uh, do they say how you fill it up? I don't remember. I don't remember reading that. Let me see. Yeah. Um, if they did, I'm gonna feel like a goof. I don't remember how the, how you fill it up, but the point is, it's it is a sort of a burst set of abilities that you use. And what's interest? It, it is very interesting that you do get access to... Not only do you get access to your utility skills, and did they confirm you still have access to non-glyph utility skills, they just don't change? I don't know. I don't think it confirmed that, and it doesn't tell us how we uh, charge it up, it just says once it's charged. Yeah, I think that... Um, I think that you do have access to your to all your utility skills, it's just that if they are glyphs, they change effects. At least that would make the most sense to me. Um, so that in itself is something that's notably different from how necromancer functions you as a necromancer you lose your utilities which is actually kind of a big deal depending on what your build is um but then to have that double effect where your some of your utility skills are different in that form i think is a really cool way to make a cohesive like mechanic plus skills um 
because we've talked about that a couple times where some of the new elite specializations, their new skills don't feel like they particularly relate to their new profession mechanics. Um, and then others feel like they relate a lot more strongly. Uh, so I think that's a, a cool tie-in. You guys have any... Yeah, any? I like the... There is synergy there, but again, it's optional because there are obviously times where you don't want to be running glyphs for whatever reason. So you've got the choice of the other ones. Yeah. But if you do choose to run them as a set, you've got some extra synergy. Although I would say, maybe as a whole, the druid has too much interconnectivity. Because I mean, I guess you can see, I can see you having like your staff and maybe your longbow in the offhand for when you're dealing damage, but there's not really. Like, I just, yeah, I'm not sure what you would run with Druid besides Staff, right? And then... Yeah. I feel like you're definitely going to be using a Staff as a Druid. Uh, I, yeah. I feel like there's no world in which you use only the Staff or only... Or, well, rather, yeah, I, I feel like there's no world in which you take the Druid specialization and do not take Staff. I feel like that's pretty... Uh, that's just not... I can't imagine doing it. I was thinking the only other that I could imagine running would be probably a longbow. That way you can still, maybe not do damage, but hit something, I and mean, it depends what armor set you have on, with your bow from distance, and then run in with your staff to do healing or whatever you're going to do. That was my imagining on that. Yeah, long. I can see greatsword too, I guess, for the block and the daze and yeah. the leap. and The, the leap the, in and out would be excellent. The mobility and the defense on it, I can see... Yeah, I could see going both ways because the the auto attack is a ranged is a ranged auto attack. So on the on the staff, so that kind of covers your ranged component. So I could see going either way, saying like my secondary uh, weapon set is meant to be at long range when we don't need healing, or you know, you, yeah, you can go the other way and say I actually am mostly in melee and if i need to back off i will keep using my staff for that but a lot of the staff effects are melee support if you will and are very close range as are the glyphs um yeah i don't know i think it's i i do think that they i agree with their assessment with a lot of the um do we know what it's called is it celestial form or uh celestial avatar celestial yeah, avatar. celestial avatar that a lot of the celestial avatar effects feel kind of samey like they're all kind of get close and do a lot of healing and then a little bit of something else and that they want to try and differentiate them some more so i'm glad that they see i'm glad that they see that too cuz i i think that's sort of the case you you definitely want your skills to feel like they each bring something special to the table um yeah. also this profession has once again uh, again, this is this is something we're seeing with a lot of the elite specializations. Not all of them, but a lot of them have a lot lower cooldowns, especially on the elites, um, which I wholeheartedly approve of. Yeah, that's a uh, more interesting playing st- play style to have them. You know, instead of just blowing everything and then waiting, just to have you know frequent cooldowns to strategize what you're doing to make it stack up. I mean, I know that comes down to personal playstyle. I mean, in like in other genres, say in MOBAs, there's definitely people that prefer like that sort of mana playstyle of having a limited resource pool of really powerful effects that you can't use very often, and then other people prefer sort of like the energy in in League of Legends terms playstyle, where you have abilities that you can use very very quickly um, and have low cooldowns, but don't um, but but aren't as powerful on their own. Uh, and I definitely am a fan of the latter playstyle more than the former. So I'm glad to see some new 
new abilities that are more of that paradigm. Again, this I mean that goes back to Guild Wars One as well. Like a lot of Guild Wars One elites were in fact regular skills, but did more damage and had a shorter cooldown as opposed to going the other direction of being like insanely more damage but a super long cooldown. Remember the there was a monk elite that you could you spam it if your enemy was a below like a certain amount of health. It was a smiting skill. I love that one. <laughs> I don't remember what that was. Yeah, I don't remember that one exactly. I monk was definitely one of my less played professions. But yeah, the the glyphs look interesting. I was just looking. Verdant etching reduces recharge of glyphs. Activating a glyph will plant a seed, and the seeds cause healing. That would also be it just and brings it back to cleansing. you know, and condition cleansing. That brings me back to, you know, we were talking earlier about uh, targeted healing. If you could target an ally and then leap to them with Greatsword 3, that would be really cool. But I think you can only target uh, enemies with that. No, yeah. but you don't have to have a target to leap, so you can just aim which yourself is directionally. More, yep, which is kind of like what we were talking about before, with we're going to have to learn to do that directional uh, healing because you can't target things. Right. It raises the skill cap. I think it's fun. I think it's interesting. Yeah. Um, so we kept, we kept coming back around to the concept of raids. Um, when we were talking about the balance of healers and all that kind of stuff. So, do either of you guys want to start talking about some of the stuff we learned about raids and or sort of thoughts you have on raids with respect to this profession? Before we go to raids, does anyone have anything to say about the uh, the pets that the ranger gets? Oh my god, those are really strong looking. If the smoke scale is as yeah. scary as we discussed it being last uh-huh. week, uh, I don't think it will be. I think they'll be fairly tame. I, but it'll oh. still give ability to have more, uh, it'll smoke field more uh, stealth, that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, that's nice to have that option on a ranger, I guess. Because they don't have any smoke fields yet, do they? Um, I don't think so. They just have some stealth that they can use, you know, off their bow. Is it great? Yeah. The long bow? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, they're kind of a party utility. Yeah, I kind of hope that the Fiery Wyvern um, will be able to stack more burns, and I can, you know, eke out my uh, my critical burn that I should be posting on the site here pretty soon. Awesome. So, raids, either of you? I know Spirit's a lot more invested in raids specifically than I have spent the time to become. Um, I, in general, yes, totally. Um, This weekend, no. I had some real urgent real-life stuff come up, and so I haven't been able to follow TwitchCon as closely as I'd like. The important thing to me is that they announced that uh, Beta Weekend 3 will be next weekend, and in Beta Weekend 3, we'll be able to try out the first raid bot. Uh, So naturally, I am assembling a rowboat raid already, and we're going to try and get in with a really really balanced team. Um, I'm just kind of shooting in the dark. Like We're doing... Uh, two Condi, two support, two tanky, and four like flexible characters, mostly damage, but you know, able or hybrids, basically just you know whatever's left over. Um, and just seeing how that turns out instead of trying to cram a whole bunch of berserkers in there. Yeah. Um, Robin, did you have anything you want to talk about with raids? No, I just hope that uh, they're not like dungeons, but I don't think they will be. Yeah. The current dungeons we have in Guild Wars too. I mean. Yeah. Um. There's sort of a few points about sort of like the outlier, not the outliers, but about not not necessarily the content exactly, but some of the things. One of the things I wanted to talk about was scaling, um, or not uh, uh, player, like the player cap scaling in terms of buff effects. I think mm-hmm. it's they they said that they are not going to raise the buff cap, so you will still only be able to apply your buffs to five party members, um, which uh, it's a uh, I don't know how I feel about it. I can't decide if I think that's a good thing or not. 
Um, I've always found it a little bit awkward when you have these buffs that sort of apply that that aren't an area in terms of like a circle that you stand in but like a shout and it's just like the five closest people to you but that's really hard to act to like hard to actually get quote-unquote the right people perhaps if that's what you're going for like when you're surrounded by a lot of people and depending on how hard well, these raids are like i don't know I don't know how it's going to work out in terms of it some makes of those me types of things. Wonder if we're going to be splitting up, kind of like remember we had the two elite dungeons in uh, Guild Wars original. Yeah, we like had, in the uh, deep, the deep, and what was the other one? Uh, the Warren or God's the Warren, Warren, yeah. And you had to, you know, so there's many times, if I remember correctly, that you had to split your party to do different things, to hit switches, to so that it could continue. And if we do that, that's not going to be as big of a deal. Spirit, you were that saying was terrifying. something. Terrifying. Uh, I got lost in reminiscing and said, "What was I saying?" Uh, you, I mean, you just got out one word. Like uh, yeah, I don't know what I was going to talk about, but I was thinking of the deep. That was my that was my first introduction to like high end PVE content, and I had never done any of the hard. I had never done any of the elite missions, let alone the hard mode ones. And I, the pig was like, "Hey, we're doing a hard mode, or we're doing the deep." And I was like, "I'll go. I've never been." And they were like, "We're doing hard mode." And then they stuck me alone in a room, and they're like, don't worry, we'll come get you. And I was, like, trapped in with a hundred things that were evil and mean, and I had no idea what to do. And all of a sudden, about a thousand minions crawled over the hill and destroyed everything in front of me. And you that was fine. the exact moment was that probably, I fell in love with high-end PvE. It was probably after they nerfed hard mode, even. Oh, I'm sure. It was way... It was a while after Eye of the North had come out, because I that was when I started playing again. Actually, it was it's... six years ago, because yeah. uh, October 4th is my six-year anniversary of Relics. Fun fact. Awesome. There you go. Um, yeah, I, yeah. so I, I guess the point I was trying to make is I don't know, in terms of buff coverage, I don't know how that's going to play out. It might, be, it might be fine, and it might get frustrating, or it might make you feel like you have to have a couple specific support classes so that you can actually get buff coverage on everybody. Um, or, or it might not. I don't know. We, we don't really know oh. anything. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I remember what I was going to say. is because um, it prioritizes, like... I mean, it doesn't just hit the five people in your party. If there's five people near you, and four of them are in your party, and one of them is not, it hits the closest five, right? Uh, it doesn't I, just, like... That last one doesn't just miss. It just prioritizes well, the I would people think so. in your party first, and then whoever else is around you. I would uh, think yeah, so, I but think does that also... Why do people ask you to drop parties in Tequaddle, then? Um, for Tequaddle, that's so that buffs spread out evenly throughout the... So, like, if, if one party is really good at buffing, like, if you get a failing strength warrior, if you had five people in that party, and, you know, three of them were hanging back and doing ranged, and they're kind of just stinking around or not really good, um, you would have all that might on that party, but not on any of the other people up in melee with the failing strength warrior. So the reason you're asked to drop parties is that so it doesn't have any preference and it just, just distributes it like evenly throughout the zerg. Does that make sense? Yeah, I guess. It's kind of... Because it's the same... Because there's also... I don't... It's been a while since I looked this up and I, I used to know it by heart. I wish I did still. Um, but there's also a priority system for healing and stuff mm -hmm. too where people who are missing health are going to get the heal before anyone else does. Does that make sense? And I think it's even like the lower health gets it okay. first than... Like, somebody at 50% would get the healing over somebody at 75%. Yeah, it's um, interesting to know that stuff that, you know, you wouldn't know. It's just the back workings of how the me mechanics work. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. I used to know when I was really, like, enthusiastic about commanding and stuff, I knew that a lot better, but I don't anymore. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's sort of depending on how wonky some of that stuff is. Like, I, yeah, it may not be a deal at all. Like, it may not matter at all. Um, but I do have a thing. It's tangentially related to raids that I'm really excited about that I did get to watch a presentation about. Can I talk about uh, the new squad UI? Yes. Okay, so to get into raids, you need a squad. The one would say, oh, you need a commander tag to get into raids, and that is factually untrue because they're going to let you have 10-man leaderless squads. Um, it is unclear as of now whether you can just form a 10-man squad or, like, going into the... or, like, queuing in the raid or, like, entering the raid somehow makes a 10-man squad. Uh-huh. But I really hope it is... you can just create a 10-man squad at any time because I would love that. It would be so useful to have, you know, for open-world stuff that we're doing together, um, where I don't want to tag up over a commander or multi-world when I have more than a party, but I don't want to tag up over a commander. That would be so nice to have. That would be really nice. Even if I don't get the stuff. Um, so I really hope they make that broader. But um, for times when I do have a bunch of people and I do have my commander tag up, I am so, 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 so excited about commander stuff because they're getting a whole bunch of new features. They're getting, um, you can see the people in your squad. You can see how much supply they have all the time passively. You don't have to enter any commands. They don't have to be sitting on top of your face for you to see how much supply they have. Uh, you <laughs> That's can a click weird and drag them. Line. <laughs> <laughs> you can click and drag them into their parties. You can see their health bars. You can see their profession, their name. You can resize the UI. There's uh, I don't know exactly. I think it was a like a broadcast. You could you could type a message in. I don't know if that just went to your squad or what that was exactly. But you, there was a place for you to type messages. There's a ready check. Um, and this is going to really separate good commanders from bad in World v. World, and there's going to be commanders yeah. that are going to run with this and just do amazing, amazing things. I can't remember exactly what it was. Oh, with the, yeah. Um, since I can now see who's in my squad all the time, I will never have to form parties for guild missions again. That is hands down the most exciting thing, even though I felt bad because uh, Mystic is one of our guildies who runs guild missions and helps organize a lot, and he said, oh, I'll be out of a job. Um, and I, d I do really appreciate that. But it's so nice to be able to just, because I can get, I think the cap is 50, right? So I can get a whole bunch of people into my squad and see what everyone's doing. And it's so nice for managing large groups of people. Oh, and, and uh, you can convert, uh, there's squad and raid settings. I think raid the raid one is capped at 10 and squad is capped at 30 or 50 or whatever squad is. Um, but there's also closed group, invite only, and open squad uh, abilities. I am so pumped. You don't even know. <laughs> oh, man. This is great. I'm glad you went into that spirit because I heard about it, but I didn't know there was that much. That is very exciting. It's beautiful. I The only thing uh, that would excite me more is because, by the way, uh, this week is Guild Week. Um, they're doing a preview of another guild hall. They're doing a whole bunch of features, uh, you know, more in-depth features about guilds. Uh, the only thing I think that would make me more excited is if they said message of the day broadcast to the guild. I would probably stand up and, like, weep openly. <laughs> Tears of overflowing joy. I'm just really excited about Heart of Thorns, you guys. I can't get here fast enough now. I know last time I was like, oh my god, it's so close. But no, 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 no. It's n it can't get here fast enough. It's not possible. <laughs> But I'm still not ready. I haven't gotten all my skill points yet. I I'm hero points, whatever. I'm not ready, but I'm super ready. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I, don't I, know, I know what you mean. 
I'm kind of annoyed that I have to gather them, but hey, maybe I just am lazy. Well, you don't have to gather them. I mean, you just go without them. Let's see. We'll see how many skill points you can get in Heart of Thorns. Hero points, sorry. Improper nomenclature. Um, did we, uh, did we want to talk at all about some of the stuff they talked about with, um, legendary armor and raiding? I really haven't heard anything about that, but if you guys would like to talk about that, I would like to hear about it. What do you think about drop rates and what they've told us so far, Garbok? Uh, well, it's gonna depend on how many bosses there are, because the number that they sort of floated was having a much higher, air quotes, uh, drop rate of ascended materials, for example, uh, or ascended stuff, uh, and they threw around the number 10%, which... And that's, that's not solid, that's just what they've said, it was gonna be around that. Yeah, which, like, depending on how the lockouts are, like, if... It depends on what the lockouts are like, how many bosses there are for a raid, and what is actually on that loot table. Like, if it's 10% of anything that is ascended, uh, that's terrible, because there's a lot of really bad ascended gear, and there's also a lot of things like uh, Dragonite and Imperial Fragments and Bloodstone that are considered ascended. I'm really hoping that the... Dragonite, Bloodstone, and Imperial are not on that list. That's something that would be just disappointing. Yeah, that yeah. like if if those are on that list, then it's not very impressive. If they're not, no. then and and then if we're talking about like three, well, three or four say... bosses like per weekly lockout or whatever, that's pretty good. Like that's a pretty good drop rate, I think. And if they, uh, I think there was something to hint at that it'd be only chests wouldn't be like, oh, you've got this dagger. It'd only be, you know, the chest for Ascended Weapon sets, not... Oh, now, that would be really nice. That'd that would be nice, be nice too. Now, I and... mean... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, just bearing in mind that even if you get, like... Even if you're one of those, like, I only play Berserker people, and you get a healing power set, you can throw it in the Mystic Forge and get a Zerker dagger out of it, you know? That is like, also nice. There, we have the technology to change stats now. Yeah. Uh, which is instantly... I mean, it overnight made Fractals kind of amazing, and, you know, you have to bear that in mind going forward as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, can you do that? Uh, can you do that with accessories and stuff too, or is it just uh, weapons and armor? Just weapons and armor currently. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, that's neither here nor there. I was just point of curiosity. Um, what they were also talking about was basically that the precursors for the legendary armor would come from raiding, uh, and that they would have a much higher drop rate because of the fact that they would be tied to a specific very challenging event and also would be on weekly lockouts. Um, I think that's going to depend on how they do it, because if they do it like some sort, like a precursor drop box for legendary armor, like if it's like you get, you know, you get one of the legendary armor piece precursors, like, from this box, that would be fantastic. But if it's, like, you get a, you know, say, 1% chance or whatever per boss to get some precursor that maybe for all three, any of the three weights and maybe for any of the three, yeah, or, or you know, like, any of the six body slots, then that's gonna, that might get super frustrating with RNGs. Because it be, like... Yeah, it'll be like what I got in the Silver Wastes. What, there's two different champ bags that drop in the Silver Wastes. The yeah. seed pouches and the, the stolen purses, or whatever they are. And I have like 37 um, of the rapiers that you can get. <laughs> I only got one Stardust after, I don't know, probably two or 3,000 champ bags. Uh, yeah, so, so it would I mean, be like, really instead annoying of... yeah, to get in... the, just get the Ascended hat all the time. Yeah, I was going to say, instead of like 
three blues and a green, it would be like three boots and a gloves. Like yeah, exactly. You're know, like, you know what? I really don't need more boot precursors. Um, so, <laughs> so I don't. So that's it's going to depend. They haven't said anything about how that is going to work. Um, the idea. I think it would, oh, go ahead. Sorry, like it would depend too on whether they have. I mean, I understood um, precursor crafting is that we would be able to craft any of the precursors. Is that not a thing for legendary armor? Do we not know about that yet? That's true. We don't know how many legendary armors there are. Right. I guess. I guess we just don't know about, not enough about legendary armor. But I would think that you know, if they're going to have precursor crafting going forward for at least weapons, I think we can assume back pieces too. Um, yeah. I don't know about that. Why actually. Wouldn't, like, yeah. Why wouldn't they? Then. It'd be nice yeah, if but like, the... why? Well, because why would they go through all this trouble of learning that they need to do a crafting for pre or for legendary weapons, but then RNG the back pieces and armor? There's yeah. if they do that, there's going to be so much backlash. It's well, the gross. difference though is because you can get a precursor from literally anything and anywhere, and so the drop rate has to be freaking abysmal in order for them to not be completely everywhere whereas if you gate something and say it only drops from here you can have a much higher drop rate relative to what currently precursors are because of the fact that it's like in order to get legendary armor like like it can become a prestige thing like legendaries right now are only prestigious because they cost so much goddamn money um <laughs> like Legendary armor can be prestigious because, I mean, A, it costs money, but because you can only get it from raids. And if that is the case, then they can make it a much less daunting and painful task. But if they make it craftable, then that takes away from that prestige. Like, legendary weapons are Well, then what they should do... <laughs> What they should do then is you can craft a precursor, but you don't get the prestigious skin. You get the ability to swap stats and, you know, have those those stats. That would be good. For armor? Instead of, yeah, for armor. Then if you want the prestigious skin, you grind it out of the dungeon, or the raid, rather. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe. I'm just presenting a, a reason why they would maybe have, why yeah. they would have precursor crafting, but only have that but be precursor I agree with, weapon crafting. I, I agree with Spirit that it should be precursor crafting across the board. I hadn't thought about that before. I mean, I guess, like, I don't, I don't know, they, it just depends on what they want it to be for, you know what I mean? Like, I think it should be more accessible, especially when, and this is kind of a whole other topic, but it should be more accessible than it is when it's such an advantage in World v. World. And I mean, that is stat so swapping annoying. is, yeah, it does annoy me that the only way to get stat swapping is legendary, and this is coming from somebody with three legendaries, like, it's, you know, it's not like I'm not willing to put in the work to get a legendary, but, um... Yeah, I don't know. I I wish that there was some other way, like to you know, air quotes, infuse your lead, like infuse your armors with multiple stat types, so that you could switch it, even if it was on like a case by case basis, instead of an instantly it has all of them, like legendaries are. But mm -hmm. they did say that the cost of a full set of legendary armor would be approximately equal to a single legendary weapon. So that's also something to bear in mind potentially yeah um yeah I, I don't know uh i don't think there's necessarily a right answer but if they want if they want to because i know that there's people that are that would be super hardcore into raiding but would feel like if you could get if you couldn't get anything that uniquely screamed raiding out of it like as in if it were just craftable without having ever done a raid that they would feel like they would do it once and then say okay well now i'm not gonna bother because you know, I'll just do whatever makes me money faster. 
um, and a prestigious skin that you can only acquire there is is a way to do that. And if they make it not miserable RNG because you can only get it from there, then maybe. But then again, historically speaking, the same could be said of fractal weapon skins, and we all know how we feel about <laughs> their availability <laughs> if, for quite a while. So yeah. Um, although they're <sighs> making that better, so um, yeah. Oh, oh my God! Did either of you watch the uh, the um, the Tyria cooking show? This is a total non sequitur, but did you did no. you watch that? No, I didn't get a chance to. Oh my gosh, Spirit, you especially should watch it. It's like it kind of made me cringe, but also I had a huge grin on my face. Like it was so ridiculous and so like I don't know, it cracked me up. Um, Jennifer Hale was doing a like home cooking show for Tyrian foods and like it was there was something kind of magical about what I was witnessing so it's it was pretty funny I'm sure you can find a video of it somewhere um right. or guild week you want to talk about guild week spirit didn't you uh I mean I, I briefly mentioned you... it that yeah. the fact that there is going to be when we don't have any information from it yet it's going to start uh over the next three days um so I I don't have any um news for you from the future I'm sorry but uh, that it's coming up, and I am very excited about it. I will be screaming a lot about it on the Twitters, and <laughs> you know, next week in the podcast, how excited I am about it. Yeah. Um, and the the time for us to get our guild hall is nearing. I'm very excited. Yeah. Yeah. Still stocking up on that. We uh, there's not like we found out that like you can there's going to be materials required for it so what we did is we locked off the first tab of our guild bank and we're accepting donations um basically if your donation is useful to progressing the guild we will put it towards that and if it's not we're just going to sell it and put it towards the gold cost of progressing the guild if there is a gold cost and if there's not then we're just going to give it back to the guild in the form of giveaways so we have like we have something set up but there's not a ton that at least right now um i can be doing to prepare other than being like hey go get some influence because we can spend that on the new currency slowly day by day which will destroy my slow my soul the, you know, you know what? No, no. <laughs> the most exciting thing about uh heart of thorns is not uh is that i don't have to remember to queue up our passive buffs every three days I will be so happy when we just have a passive buff and I can just have paid for it and I don't have to worry about queuing upgrades all the darn time. Yeah. Shout out to my guildmates who queue those for me when I forget because you guys are awesome. Yeah, those kinds of like upkeep mechanics are things that kind of drive me crazy in MMOs, which is a reason that I hate like food and potions and stuff like that because they're more they're more of an annoyance to me than anything else. So I, I love I love that they're you know in, incorporating that with guild buffs. That's that is nice. Yeah, I broke my computer a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It was just a very scattershot week uh, in general. So sorry if there was something you wanted us to cover and we haven't. Uh, you can always send us a mail and ask us about it for the next show. And I'm sure we'll be we'll be talking about raids in more detail because there were there was a lot more information that came out, but <laughs> being able to keep track of it and digest all of it and talk about it in the way that we do uh wasn't as easy this week yeah especially because, because it just, just came out so three much. days ago and i was at work during some of it and you were busy yeah so if there's something you really want to hear our thoughts on please write us about it i'm sure we'd be happy to talk about it we just it, it, there was so much <laughs> yeah everything just happens so much right now yeah uh i think 
for the most part, though, we're very positive about everything that came out of TwitchCon. Like, there's a few things yeah, that we're sort was... of wondering how's this going to work, but I think uh, it's been was was quite positive in terms of the stuff that we found out about. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I was really happy about um, the quality of all the programming and the. <sighs> I don't want to throw shade too much, but when I saw they were partnering with I Am 8-Bit again for this, I got a little bit nervous, because I don't know if you remember, uh, but that was the party responsible for the taxi Oh, God. Oh, those. And also the one where you had to do, like, the it was called the Great MMO Experiment or something, and they you had to, like, stand up and do a pledge and say, like, record yourself going, like, I will play Guild Wars 2. The things and I pretended was... never happened. <laughs> Yeah, I had completely blocked the second one out of my my memory. Um, yeah, I was a little bit worried, but I, across the board, no, everything was really great, and I was I was pleased um, with everything. Everyone did a really good job presenting and and balancing all their time schedules. And uh, Regina and Stefan moderated chat for like eight hours straight, which uh, oh, is man. a Herculean That's task. Mind-numbing. Yeah. Ah, uh, that's amazing. Which, and, like, yeah, there was a lot of yeah. Some of that chat was pretty bad. <laughs> the yeah. not the Guild Wars Two community chat. I mean, there's always a bit of that, but some of the once they hit the general Twitch channel, I was like, oh my god, this took a nosedive rather quickly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, good uh, on you guys for working on that. Oh yeah, it was nice to see. It was nice to see a lot of the developers. I mean, I've been saying this a lot lately, but in a very candid light and you can tell they're all very they're all very proud of what they're working on and they're all very excited to talk about it with us and excited for us to see it soon um and that genuineness uh came across very well oh yeah i thought of another thing is there anything else about twitchcon uh no nope. uh, relevant to you guys okay um another thing that kind of slipped under the radar kind of because uh, it happened during twitchcon and there, w- there was a panel about it but i feel like it wasn't covered very well ArenaNet is opening signups for a partnership program. So if you're a content creator for Guild Wars 2, um, they specifically said that they're looking for um, artists, podcasters, uh, video makers, streamers, base- any kind of content for Guild Wars 2. Um, so not just video people right now. Um, they're opening signups for this program that will allow you to work more closely with ArenaNet and have them have a better idea um, of what content creators are doing. So uh, I don't, I can't really speak to how this will go. It's interesting that they're kind of formalizing the pro- process because uh, for us as community content creators and me having been around uh, seeing different iterations of this for a long time, uh, it's not, there hasn't been a great consistent system Yeah. for contacting ArenaNet and for collaborating with them in any way. Um, Which, I mean, just so, as even a recent example, and this is not meant to be said in any, like, bitter, frustrated way, I don't particularly, you know, I'm not, like, upset or anything, but uh, when that big um, balance patch notes, you know, came out and they sent it to a bunch of the content creators, like, including us, we got to see those. Yeah. And then, you know... Um, uh, God, who is it that put them out really early, like immediately? Um, it was Dragon Season. Dragon Season, yeah. Which, and again, no, nothing wrong with that. It was totally used as was allowed. But, um, like I know that several of the other content creators of roughly our size, uh, got 
you know stuff about twitchcon and like in advance for like what they were going to be showing and like we did not yeah <laughs> like, other people for no yeah, particular been, reason i can think of just like it's just yeah, speaking to the it's inconsistency just been really inconsistent yeah. yeah um so i don't know that this is going to change anything i'm hopeful um we signed up right away uh just to because i mean i'll always give it a chance i'll see what it's all about um and it was really nice I mean, anyone at Arena, if you're listening, it was so nice to see podcasters and non non video content creator people specifically called out. Yes. Um, it's not that we don't like people. I mean, absolutely, we love the the video content creators. Um, but it's really hard to compete with you. <laughs> uh, video is just so popular right now. Live streaming and YouTube both, and having other types of media acknowledged. And you know, ArenaNet knows that that we produce good stuff and. We enjoy producing good stuff, and they want to work with us. That is good, and I'm I'm hopeful. We'll see what comes of it. But yeah, anyway, long story short, if you're a content creator, that opportunity is available to you. Um, you can check it out as you choose. Uh, there was a panel on it. I wish I could talk about it, but I didn't get to see the panel, and I haven't gotten to watch it yet. So if you want more information, there is a panel out there somewhere. I'll try and put it in the show notes for you guys if you're curious about it. Um, but yeah, I think that's all I've got on that. Is there anything you guys had? Nope. Nope. Did you have Cast Cast? Okay. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Uh, hello and welcome to Cast Cast, the podcast within the podcast about the cast of other podcasts and style cast of other podcasts. I'm pretty sure there's an extra Cast Cast in there this week. Pretty um, sure you Cast-Cast. also dropped an octave for that? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I did that. That was very strange. Uh, that's funny, though. Uh, <laughs> I know, but I don't know where the whoa came from. Anyway. Uh suck at love is a group that has been producing some excellent about music videos yeah they're good they're good songs uh in a pop style is that accurate to say uh i would say so mostly yeah yeah about guild wars 2 there's been a number of them uh this new one this week was about thieves um but there's also another one that i want to bring up about Icebow. Because I don't know if anyone remembers, but a little while ago, uh, Icebow was going to be nerfed, and then it wasn't. And then at TwitchCon, they said Icebow is getting a 50% damage reduction. It's going down to three targets. And then Arenio dropped his mic. <laughs> like, aggressively. He looked at the screen, took a wide stance, and dropped his mic and caught it. And that was the <laughs> my favorite moment of TwitchCon. <laughs> uh, I really appreciated that that whole balance panel. So, um... R.I.P. Icebo. Uh, I in theory. I don't. Yeah, I don't know that I want to super get into talking about the balance of that. I'm not 100 percent sure. I totally agreed with it. Um, but the rest of the balance stuff was pretty nuanced and good. So I'm content to wait patiently and see if it is actually as awful as we think it is before uh, we go singing Icebo for we're gonna miss you. But it's a great song anyway. Um, other than that, I had a thing that I teased last week that was supposed to be done this week, but then, uh, real life showed up and kicked me in the pants. Uh, if I have that done, because it should be done in the next day or two, uh, if it's done before this podcast comes out, I will make an, uh, I will append a little segment of me talking about that to it, and if not, I will tell you guys next time. Because it's almost ready, and I'm really excited to show everyone, ah! <laughs> Uh yeah. No, I'm I'm actually pretty excited about it too. It's exciting. Um 
All right. Well, I think that was about it for this week, at least as far as we are prepared to actually talk about. Uh, did anybody else have anything else, or is that time to wrap it up? I think we're set. New balance patches Tuesday. All the stuff they talked about at TwitchCon is coming Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's tomorrow. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. This is Monday. Oh, it is God. tomorrow. Oh, jeez. Anyway, uh, yeah, so this probably is going to hit your ears right about the same time as the balance patch is happening, assuming that you listen to it the day that we put it out. So, uh, yeah, ignore everything that we talked about in terms of not knowing things, because we're recording right next to a balance patch. Uh, anyway, thanks for sticking with us. This has been another episode of Relics of War. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofwar.com, email us at relicsofwar at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in-game, you can send a whisper or in-game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve. <laughs>